belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for August 29th, 2021 is called Believe. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Mount Sequoia, Vesper's Point in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So good morning again, everyone. My name is John Ray. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening on the podcast. Um, as we gather this morning. So the introduction that I wrote for this morning, Teresa Cornett informed me that it was totally inappropriate for a Sunday morning and that I was forbidden from using my introduction this morning. Now, if you're interested in what I was going to say, it is in the learning guide with that. However, I will not be speaking it publicly this morning. (laughs) Instead, I will lead with this. When when I finally ended up in in seminary some 10 odd years ago, it was with all the warnings that I had heard growing up about cemetery ringing in my head about how seminary was a place where young, eager, zealous young men went to have their faith destroyed. How where good conservative people went to be uh, transformed into flaming liberals. Uh, About how all the rock truths that we were taught in Sunday school and growing up in church would be dismantled and replaced with some European pseudo-psychological philosophy with that. Um, In the end, it was that seminary seminary was a very dangerous place for your faith. And they were absolutely right. Not about the other stuff. Not about all that stuff about, you know, becoming a European liberal and all that. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that. But the idea that seminary was a dangerous place for your faith. Or let me put it this way. It was a very dangerous place for a fragile faith. It was a very dangerous place for a faith that wasn't open to grow, to deepen, to expand, to challenge. Every one of my professors, they would they would often I would often hear this in the classroom, they said they would say, I'm not here to affirm your preconceived ideas. I'm not here to make you feel good about what you already believe. We're here to look at all of that and see what is really true. See what sticks. See what can survive a real um, faith-filled but very intentional scrutiny. Now, my professors would also say, almost to a T, all of them would say, if you don't leave this class loving Jesus more than when you came in, that they failed. You see, there's a difference between what we believe about Jesus and our faith in Jesus. So we get to this final week where we've been taking six weeks to look at the ethos. And, and if you haven't heard these, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to them. This is why we do what we do as Grace Church. That's what we've been talking about. This is, 
This is what's orienting us. This is what is guiding us. This is what we've talked about these six weeks with what the gospel is. What is hospitality? What is shalom? What does it mean to belong, to become, and then this week to believe? These are the filters that we run all our decisions through. What are we going to preach? What are we going to sing? Where are we going to give our money? Where are we going to meet? What is our message going to be? That These are all filtered through this matrix. So if you want to know who we are, listen to these messages. And we're constantly refining them. It's not like it's just one set thing, but we're constantly refining them with that. And in a way, that's what we're doing with our faith as well, is we're constantly refining it. You see, believing in Jesus is foundational to being a Christian and to finding true life. There is no way around that. It is both the beginning and the end of our walk with Jesus. It begins by faith and it points towards faith with this. But it is faith for something. It is faith in someone with the result of something. We have, we're, none of us is immune from this culture we live in that tries to separate out doctrine and theology from practice and from being. We think that we can apply the scientific method in a way to faith or to doctrine or to theology. That we can become dispassionate, objective observers and that we can discern between this and that and then just choose unemotionally. Faith doesn't work like that. Believing doesn't work that way. At least not the Christian faith with that. No, instead, we are constantly being invited to step into this relationship with a God who loved us and has redeemed us, who is forgiven and restored and is forgiving and restoring all things. This God who is making all things new, even though our physical bodies are wasting away, even though our planet is under incredible pressure right now from the way we choose to live, even though our societies are filled with tension about the way we behave towards each other, we believe that God is restoring, is renewing, is bringing life out of all of our mess-ups with that. And that is a dynamic invitation to believe. And so next week, and I'm super excited about this. Man, I just, I just hope you will dive into it with the enthusiasm that I have for it. But we're going to study Romans but we're, for the fall, but we're going to use this kind of paradigm of reading Romans backwards. We're going to start with the end and then read backwards into it. And I believe we're going to arrive at a very different place from anything you've been taught about Romans in the past. Well, in a way, that's what we have to do with, with our faith is if we believe with propositional statements about God, we're going to end up with a certain kind of faith. But if we start with the end goal in mind, Jesus, Everything in the Christian faith points towards Jesus as the perfect revelation of God. That even though God in some ways is truly incomprehensible, who, who among us, 
Who among us can comprehend the God who sustains this? Sky, clouds, photosynthesis, the second law of thermodynamics, galaxies, air currents, gulf streams, humans, beetles, birds. Like, like, it's beyond us. It's beyond us. And yet God knows. And so God gives us a person. God gives us Jesus. And that is for us everything that is necessary. Scripture says this. It says, everything that is necessary for life and godliness is granted to us through our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's incredibly comforting for me. I may not have it all. I'll never understand it all. But I will understand everything that I need to through knowing Jesus. Everything that I need to. So in a way, that's the end goal. The end result is that we want to end up with knowing Jesus. Theology, doctrine, all ought to be pointing towards that. But we get hung up in the finger, right? It's the old joke about the the guy who's pointing his dog towards the robber. And the dog just keeps biting the guy's hand. Like, like we get caught up on the finger pointing towards the thing, and we miss the thing. And we're arguing about the finger. We're arguing about the doctrine. We're arguing about the theology. We're arguing about all these things. And we see it evident in our society today, right? Listen, I, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> there are a lot of reasons for the tension that we all feel and all encounter in our society. But one, one of them is really bad theology. It's just really bad doctrine. It's missing the point altogether of what that is supposed to be producing in us, who that is supposed to be leading us towards with that. In John 20, there's this interesting interaction that Jesus has with his disciples after he is brought back by the Spirit of God from the dead. He is resurrected. and He's interacting, and and we all know the story. I won't read it verbatim, but we all know the story about Thomas, right? who we've called Thomas the Doubter, which I don't think is necessarily fair, but that's what we call him, right? He says, hey, unless I put my hands in the the holes in his side and see the wounds in his hands, I'm not going to believe. And what happens? Jesus says, yeah, fair enough. I see you. Here here I am. Put him here. And then he says, he says, blessed are those, blessed are you for this, but blessed are those who don't see that. That's us, right? We We don't get to do that yet. Maybe someday. I don't know. But now, no. He says, but blessed are those who believe. And then John adds this little postscript after it. He says, but these things are recorded so that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, this thought was not original to John. This this wasn't something. When you read the Bible, this is how we read the Bible as Christians, not as just academic students, not as people looking for a roadmap or a, or a science book or a history book. We, we read it so that we will believe. And, and that belief will create life in it. That's a very different way to approach the Bible than academically or even apologetically. 
but we believe it so that we might believe, or we read it so that we might believe. And again, this, this idea of, of believing in Jesus and having life is not original to John. John is just remembering something Jesus said way back. Because what did he say? He said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God just didn't come to teach us about God. God came to give us himself, God's self. Why? So that we would have life. And not just any kind of life, but abundant, exceeding life. You see, the Christian faith is to be in someone more than something. Yes, are there things, are there propositional truths we believe about Jesus? Absolutely. We include those in what we call the, the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, right? We believe that Jesus is God, came from God, born of a virgin, lived, was an actual person, like had an address, even though I don't think they had addresses back then. But he had, like, he had a physical place, ate food, slept, burped, all the other things. Was he fully human, but at the same time was fully God. Suffered, died, and was resurrected and sits now at the right hand of God. Those are propositional truths, but those alone aren't enough. Those truths are the fingers pointing us towards the person that we are to encounter. Those statements are the fingers pointing us towards so that we might believe that's true and then receive the life that, that is offered in that. That's what it means to believe here. That's what it means to believe at Grace Church. So we believe these things about Jesus, but we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We understand this also, that believing is understood by how it affects what it produces. Listen, you can get your doctrine right all day long and miss the point. We see this all the time. I see it. I see it all the time. It's like the person who believes everything exactly like they're supposed to believe about marriage, right? Hey, I believe marriage is this institution. It's ordained by God, right? You're supposed to be monogamous. You're supposed to stay together. You're supposed to prefer the other person. You're supposed to do all this stuff. They believe everything about marriage, and then they just don't do anything. They don't, they don't do that. They ignore. They don't even know their spouse. I, that, I see this epidemic in our culture. People know all this stuff about Jesus. They don't know Jesus. I've been guilty of this myself, y'all. I'm not, I'm not saying this in some kind of judgmental way that I've got it all figured out. I'm learning every day who Jesus is. I'm learning every day what it means to put my faith in Jesus, not just know stuff about Jesus. And I know a lot about Jesus. I mean, that's what I get paid to do in some ways, right? It's my job. But I can tell you from someone who is paid to know about Jesus. It's not enough. It, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how many books you read, how, many, how well you can recite good theology or proper doctrine or whatever. It's not enough. You have to know Jesus. We have to know Jesus. Our believing at Grace Church is rooted in this simple, irrefutable, inescapable idea. Believing is to be believing in Jesus with that. You see, this is super important because our believing has consequences. Like I said earlier, all of us have faith. 
all of us believe. It's, it's just part of being human. We have faith that when we get up and we go out in the day, it may be as simple as, hey, when I get out of bed and I put my feet down on the floor, I'm not going to fall into a wormhole and end up in a Doctor Who episode. All right? Although some people would think that would be pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's, it's very simple stuff like that to very other things like we, we, we go to the store and we buy something. We, we do an exchange. We give money to someone. They give us something back. We believe that, that, that that's going to happen, right? That if I give you this money, you will give me that thing and you won't run outside and arrest me for taking this thing. No, I've given you what you need. We have faith in this transaction with that. That's the kind of faith we're talking about is this, this very pragmatic faith. And when we put our faith in anything but Jesus, when it comes to living life, having a flourishing life, having, a tr- having true life, we suffer the consequences of it. I'm not saying that if we put Jesus, put our faith in Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. Don't hear me saying that at all. Oftentimes, the call to a Christian faith, and very re- realistically, it's said there, it's laid out, is a call to give up, is a call to sacrifice, is a call to lay down, is a call to die. But in that same book, in the same word, we're taught that by doing that, we actually get the very thing that we're laying down. It's crazy. Look, Christianity is this unbelievably beautiful but poetic and often mystical belief that we're actually going to get the thing we deepest long for when we give up that thing. When we lay our lives down, we're going to get the life that we're yearning for. But if we don't do that, we'll never find it. We'll never get it with that. And this comes through this faith in Jesus And our believing has consequences. So when we put our faith in saying, well, yeah, that's cool, but either I don't believe that or I believe that that plus this other thing, I believe that, yeah, you got to have faith, but plus you actually have to be a good person and you have to earn God's affection. Whoa, whoa, wait, stop right there. It's gone toxic. Or, hey, I believe that believing in Jesus is the opposite, right? I believe Jesus, and it's all done, and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to give any effort to this. I don't have to be intentional about this at all. Whoa, wait, stop. We're going off the rails here, right? Like, centering our faith in Jesus is at both sim- at, at the same time a simple concept, but incredibly... It takes a lot of intentionality to keep that the center. It keeps a lot of discipline to keep that the center. With that. But that's what it means to believe here, is that we are constantly trying to point people to Jesus and demonstrate that. See, believing in Jesus is both a gift and something that we get by intentional effort. We believe that it all starts. Our faith isn't a result of just our own wanting, our own willing. It is a gift to us, but it is a gift we are intended to nurture, to grow, to cherish with that. All of our theology and doctrine should be pointed towards that. You want to, do you want to judge what is good, true, doctrine, theology? Does it point towards this? Does it point towards Jesus? Does it point towards life that flourishes? Does it point towards life for everyone, especially the marginalized, especially the downtrodden, especially the outcast, especially those 
who don't have any hope in this world. It should be primarily those people who hear this as good news. Not the rich, not the satisfied, not the ones that have power. I mean, look, honestly, y'all, I've said this before. I'm an old white American dude, right? My problems compared on the scale of most things are pretty dang small. Do I love Jesus? Yes. Do I need Jesus? Yes. Do I always feel like I do? No. I just don't. I'm not scared when I walk the streets. Yeah, I have concerns. I have challenges and stuff. I have worries. But really, if I'm, if I'm honest about it, I look around. I got more than enough tools. I got more than enough resources for myself and for my family. But we live in a world where that is not the norm. That is simply not the norm. And so our flourishing should always lead to the flourishing of others. Christianity is not a zero-sum game. And if I am claiming a theology or a doctrine that cuts out, that steps on, that puts down other people, it is not good theology. It is not good doctrine. It is not doctrine or theology that leads to life and flourishing for everyone. So that's what we're about when we say we believe with this. Now, here's the thing back to seminary. Look, as I said, I'm the guy in Grace Church who gets um, compensated for teaching the Bible, for infusing the word, for doing these things, for kind of setting the course with this. If you are expecting, if you're expecting to come to this church and hear the exact same thing from me a year from now that you're hearing now, or 10 years from now that you're hearing now, you're going to be disappointed. Now, some things I hope are going to remain the same. I really believe that what I'm saying about Jesus being the author, the perfecter of our faith, right? That, that, that's the guide star. That's where I'm aiming towards. But the how is always going to be changing. The how we get there and the how we understand that is going to be changing. I believe in immutable truth. Believe, hear me clearly. I believe that there is truth, capital T, unchanging. Doesn't matter if you're a dinosaur, a dog, or a me. Truth is truth. There is a truth that sustains the universe, a truth that transcends all of our understanding with that. But I also understand I am just one finite dude. We are one small group. And our understanding of how that works, how we get there, how we best live that, how we understand that is always going to be evolving with that. It is always going to be seeking to make more room for more people, give more place to those who have previously been excluded or left out. How we practice that is going to change. Now, hopefully we do it in a way where most of us can follow along, right? It's a constant, it's, it's more art than science, right? You're always, there's always going to be people there that just love it, right? We hit the sweet spot. Like, let's freeze it. Let's freeze dry the church right here. It's perfect. It's just where I like it. We're meeting when I like, with the people that I like. We're singing the songs that I like. Just stop. It's great. And then there are going to be other people on the other end that are like, I can't take one more Sunday. 
if we keep doing it this way, I am done. I'm out, right? You've got these extremes, and then you've got most of us somewhere on the in-between. Like, man, there's stuff that we really love, we really cherish, really fit our preferences. But there's other things that we really wish would change. There's other things that we really wish were done differently. We're, we're all in that, and that's always going to be dynamic. It's, we're always going to be figuring this out, especially in this time of pandemic. But it doesn't matter what those things are as long as we are progressing towards that one thing that we are guided to believe in. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, born of the Virgin, lived, suffered, was crucified, raised again, resurrected, sits at the right hand of the Father, and is coming back in some way and form, bringing and restoring everything as it was intended. How we get there is going to change, but where we're going doesn't. That's what, it, that's what it means to believe here, is that how we get there, how we practice it, is, we're always having to figure that out, but where we're going doesn't. Who, whom we are going towards doesn't change. That's the fixed star. And I want to, I want to ask the, the worship team to come up here. What I want you to hear in this is freedom. Grace Church is a, is a place where you're free to be wrong. Where you're free to bring your whole self. Your doubts, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, everything. This, this is, this is, that's what, because we know where we're going, we have the freedom to say, okay, well, maybe we're not getting there the best way. Maybe this is not the best way to get there. But if we're so locked into our way to get there, we can't change. We may be going the wrong way, but we're going to, we have no way of adjusting that. So I want you to hear freedom in this, with this. Um, the other thing that I want to say as we practice communion here is one of the reasons we do this every week is because the practice of taking communion is, is a tangible physical evidence of what we may, our words may fail at. I can't adequately describe the table. I can't adequately with words describe the sacrifice of Jesus for us, but I can practice it. I can experience, I can take it. Communion is given to us to, to transcend where words can't go. We taste salvation. We feel the crunch of Jesus' sacrifice. Like it's a physical manifestation of our faith. And so if your mind is struggling to believe, let your body believe. If your mind is full of questions, let your, let your body confess by taking communion with that. My prayer is, is so often is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And he says, okay. Here, I give you myself. I give you my body. I give you my blood. I give you my promise. I sit you at my table. I sit you at my table. It's not as slaves, servants, or soldiers, but as friends, but as family. That's who you are. You're God's friend. You're God's family. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. 
You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.